This is the Employee to Entrepreneur podcast, the show for the family man who's looking to escape the rat race. So if you're a young husband or a father who's looking to grow his side business so they can replace his income and you can spend more time with your family, you're in the right place. I made this show for you because I am you. I'm your host, Brendan Ryan. And today I'm joined by Jacob May, who started his career in sales with Grant Cardone you know, after only 21 months was able to branch out on his own and start building his own businesses, which we're going to have him tell us about. So Jacob, you found yourself working for Grant Cardone pretty early on, like right out of high school. Now you're doing some big things. Um, Can you walk us through how you found yourself working for Cardone and then, you know, how you got to where you are now? Yeah, man, 100%. So uh, it's actually, I want to call it like a pretty funny story. Okay, because it's not like everybody's usual path, right? Uh, what I did and how I kind of went about it uh, was honestly a very different way than I've heard anybody else get into sales. Uh, so when I was about 18 years old, uh, I was in high school, I was wrapping up my senior year. And, you know, I just knew college wasn't for me, uh, wasn't what I wanted to do. Um, and so I was going to be a real estate agent and I was actually going to flip houses with my bare hands. Like, like that was my plan. My uncle, he flipped them, you know, and stuff like that. I watched him a little bit. Um, and yeah, I was just like really excited about that. And I was excited about real estate. Okay. So real estate is like the key, right? And then I was on YouTube trying to learn about real estate. I had no intention of getting into sales at all. I wanted to learn about real estate and I found Grant Cardone. And uh, at the time, uh, I was working at a place called the Kayak Shack. It was the summer after, uh, after I just graduated, you know, where you put people in kayaks, you rent them out. Uh, and I was watching one of Grant's like, YouTube videos, and a guy had called in, and he was like, hey, Grant, how do I work for you? And Grant said, go to this portion of my website and go apply. And then like, they had a little conversation, and I was like, dude, this guy's a bum. Right. If this if this guy can can work for Grant Cardone, I know I can work for Grant Cardone. Right. Uh, But at the time, I had no information. You know, I was just a regular broke 18 year old. Right. Uh, And so I ended up applying and anticlimactic. I didn't hear back. Okay, then I applied again and I didn't hear back. Then I applied for every single position. Okay, with a new resume, with a with a video. Okay, and then I called in following up on my on my thing. So when I went in for my interview and when I got hired, I was still unsure on what exactly I was getting hired to do. Like I genuinely <laughs> had no idea. I just knew that it was that guy. Like I needed to learn from that guy. Right. Uh, and, and that's really like the biggest thing was, um, was I just knew he was the guy, you know, uh, when, when you're young and you don't know a lot, but you know that you want to succeed when you know that you want money, you know, I think it's so important to find that guy and then do, do whatever you can to go learn. Right. Like I, like I, in, in my email, I go back and look at it from time to time. Right. Um, in my email, I was like, I'll work for free. I'll be a janitor. I applied for the janitor position. Like I did it all. Like it was, it, it was like kind of, it's kind of corny to talk about, but I literally did it all. And I was just kind of like excited to get in there, you know? Dang, that blows my mind that the janitor position's even available on that the website there. <laughs> I know, I know it, it's, it's kind of crazy, but you have to think that did, did they notice that you applied to everything? Yeah. Yeah. So like, okay. So when you're interviewing, when you're interviewing with companies, uh, one of the big things I learned from that is that you have to sell like a persona, right? I was selling the young 18 year old who didn't know what he wanted to do, but knew that he wanted to win. You know, like that's, that's who I was selling. That's who they were hiring. They weren't hiring a closer. They weren't hiring a guy to go build sales teams. That's not what they were hiring. They were hiring an 18 year old who would do whatever it takes, you know? And so like I was trying to sell them that essentially. Right. Yeah. And that should resonate with Grant Cardone, right? Because you're literally taking massive action, applying to everything and then following up and everything. So what did you get hired for? So I ended up uh, getting hired for a client success representative. Okay. So that's just like an entry level sales job, basically um, just to keep it completely like transparent. There's like a ton of leads in the CRM and I just grabbed a couple hundred and would call them and sell them whatever. Right. My main task was like selling products and just filling up events, mainly events though, selling event tickets and things like that. Okay. 
So it was outbound at first. Did you did you go from that position to anything else with Cardone? Uh, yeah, so I actually had, uh, I want to say, three different positions there. Uh, so first and where most of my time was spent was just making cold calls, right? I probably I made cold calls for the vast majority of the time that I was there. Um, and then about after being there for a year, I only worked there for about 21 months. Uh, and then after about 12 months, okay, then I transitioned into a closer. And funny story how I got into that, right? Um, so when I transitioned from cold caller to closer, I'd been telling them for months, Okay, because I like how it works is when you're making cold calls, you usually want to give the deal to somebody who can close it, right? You usually want to be like, hey, you can close it. Hey, you can close it or you close it yourself. Okay, I took a very rogue, I like to call it approach to it where I was like, no, I don't need anybody else. I'm closing the deal. And I was broke for a long time because I did it. I would not recommend that to anybody else. Okay, because I couldn't close. I had no idea what I was doing for like eight months out of that 12 months, you know? Um, And so... Uh, yeah. And so that's what I did. And I got really good at closing. Uh, and I kept telling them, put me in, put me in, put me in, put me in on like one of these funnels. Right. And, um, then one day all of the closers were sick and they were like, or like they were sick or at events or, you know, just doing something else. Right. Where they weren't in office and they were like, fuck, I guess, I guess we got to give this guy a shot. Right. <laughs> and then dude, they gave me a shot. Dude, I absolutely slam dunked it. Okay. Uh, and then uh, I took the spot, I owned the spot and I spanked everybody in there. Uh, and I say that very confidently cause that's what happened, right? Uh, the record for that amount of deals closed was 45. I ended the month with about 103. That was 45 in a month. And then I did 103 in a month. Right. Okay. So, uh, it's just about like, like that attitude and that grit is what, is what kind of unlocked the doors for me there. Um, and then as I was doing that, um, you know, obviously you start to take on more of a leadership role. They bring in more guys. I've been there for a while. Uh, and then they were, you know, flying me out to different branches and stuff like that to help build and run the sales teams, run the meetings uh, and stuff like that. Uh, and then really at about that time, I had already known I wanted to go do my own thing for since before I even worked there. I knew I always wanted to go do my own thing. Uh, and um, yeah, and then it was just about time. I had the money, the skill set. Uh, I was ready to hit the go button. So it was only 21 months since you started to when you left was, how did you know you were ready? Like what, what, at what point were you like, all right, I'm, I'm doing it. That's such a great question. That's such a great question because I feel like there's so many people who ask themselves that same question in that they don't have the answer. So my answer is I didn't know, dude, I was scared shitless, dude. Like, like, like when I went up to quit, I was literally shaking because before this place, I, I remember I had $3 in my account trying to put it in my gas tank, trying to get home one night, like a week before I went to go interview. Right. I had nothing like, like, like my parents were good. You know, we're like, we're, we're middle-class. I always had enough, always had food in my mouth, clothes on my back. I wasn't like dirt poor or anything, but it was, I didn't have anything. I didn't know anything. I didn't know how to, how to get credit card numbers. I didn't know how to, how to service clients. I didn't know how to, how to communicate. I didn't know how the world worked. I didn't know how to make money. And then I come here and that all changes. I was living in a small town in Houston and now I'm living in Miami. Okay, got a phenomenal apartment, a place, car, life, all this. And it's because of that opportunity and that job that I got. And so um, just in all honesty, I didn't know I was ready. I didn't know I was ready. I was literally shaking. And I remember I tried to quit like three times that day. I was, uh, I, after one of our meetings in the morning, I was going to go do it. I wanted to do it in person because then people, uh, those people have poured a lot into me. It's a great company over there. Okay. Like they really care about you. And, uh, I just wanted to go thank like my mentors basically. Cause I, the person I am today is because those guys helped me. Uh, and I tried like three times. I was supposed to quit at like 9am. I didn't even quit till like 2pm. I just, I just couldn't do it. Like, I was just like, like, am I really doing this? Uh, and like, dude, the thoughts that roll through your mind when you're ready to make that, like that decision, um, what I want to call them is I want to call them it's, it's middle-class thinking. It's, it's middle-class thinking. Like when you boil it down, you know, you're worried about your expenses, you know, you're not worried about, okay, how could I create income? You're worried about conserving. You're not worried about expanding, you know? Uh, and when I pulled the trigger and I, and I got home and I sat literally right here in this chair, I knew I had made the right decision for sure. There was just no doubt. Be- I mean, hold on. Oh, just one more thing on that. Um, there's, there's this, there's this voice in your head. There's this voice or there's this feeling in your head that should be giving you those, 
those thoughts and those feelings and those and, and the, the motivation for those actions. My whole entire life, I've been following that feeling inside of me, right? Whether it was going to play sports or going out to grants, right? It's the same feeling that got me to move from the small town in, in Texas, okay, to Miami. That feeling got me there. And I know this feeling is going to get me to the next level, okay, from where I'm at right now. And it just doesn't disappoint, you know, because like, I feel like I'm being called somewhere. You know, if, if, if you're fine, just making the bills and living a comfortable life, you know, that's great. But if you, but if you go to bed every night and you're like, damn, I should have more, you know, or this isn't right, or I want to do this, you know, then you know that you got to follow that because at the end of the, at the end of the day, I'm not doing this to make anybody else happy or to do any of that. I'm doing that. So dude, I can lay my head on my pillow at night and I can be happy with in, in like prideful with what I do. You know, I, I want my life to be pride filled. You know, if I did this, I accomplished this, I was able to take care of these people, you know? And so, and so that was really like the main, the main driver that got me to quit. But did I know when there was a certain time? Not really. Uh, there wasn't, it wasn't easy either. Uh, it, it was honestly probably one of the most difficult things I've done to this day. Yeah. I can imagine, man. Yeah. Especially going from, you know, a desperate place to, you know, the skills that you were able to pick up learning from Cardone. Um, but you mentioned something about middle-class thinking. Um, can we dive into that a little bit? Because I, I've heard it called like a middle-class trap, if you will, or I've even admitted, I think that that's, that's pretty true, at least on the podcast or maybe in some short form content. Um, because if you think about it, like the most free people are either obviously the financially free, like the rich, right. Or, at least with like poor people, like they have control over their day, right? Like they don't have to go, you know, slave away for somebody else's dream type of thing and worry about like penny pinching and all that kind of stuff. Um, so in a way, like poor people, like even homeless people are, are more free than, you know, the middle classes, but we're pitched this, this American dream is like this middle class, um, you know, lifestyle, but it seems like it, leaves everybody in a spot where, you know, everybody's on antidepressants and just, uh, you know, kind of numbing the pain and letting their dreams die. Um, but can you dive into that more about that middle-class thinking? What exactly did you mean by that? So, um, one second before I get into that, you were just kind of talking about it. Number one, I want to say that I completely agree with that wholeheartedly, right? I, I believe that the rich are free. I believe that the, that the poor are, I don't know if I want to call it free, but independent, you know, like they're all on their own, right? You know, they don't have to go do things that they don't want to do. And we're sold this dream. Okay. For a reason. Okay. There's what, like 350 million Americans. Okay. And if most of them are in the middle class, most of them, okay. They work the first three, four months out of the year to pay taxes. If you break down your income, the first three to four months of your year as an employee go straight to taxes. Okay. Before you can even touch the money, the government has taken their, their piece. Okay. So let's think about it like what it is. Okay. And, and it's called modern day slavery. That's what it is. Right. But when I was kind of referred to it, referring to it a minute ago with kind of the job in the middle class, uh, when I said middle class thinking, what I was talking about is the people who are at the top, they're not focused on expenses. They're not focused on conserving. They're not focused on surviving. They're not focused on just enough, right? That's where middle-class attention goes. Talk to anybody like, hey, if your parents are middle-class, go talk to them and ask, hey, what should I do with my money? You're going to hear save. You're going to hear 401k. You're going to hear all of those ideas that have been around a long time. Go buy a house and, and go get a bunch of equity in it and let it grow over time. You're going to hear all of those things, Right? And what that is, is that's middle-class thinking, okay? It's been installed into you, okay, by your parents and then by their parents. And, you know, it's just in, there's no problem with it. That's just their way of life. You know, that's their way of life. It's their way of thinking that's, that they installed into their children like they should, you know? But when it comes to the wealthy class, when it comes to the rich, I've never seen a rich person talk about just having enough, okay? I've, I've seen guys super broke, super broke who end up making it. Right. And not at one point in that process that they're like, oh man, it's just enough. You know, working, working in the whole Grant Cardone ecosystem, I saw guys who, who like over the time working there who were using the products and winning on it. I saw guys go from nothing to like having four single family homes as their little portfolio. Okay. Making about two grand a month passive income to now owning, owning over a thousand units, you know? 
but they were like, oh, well, I got to wait on doing things. I got to think about it. I got to conserve. Let me focus on my expenses and make sure I get all those checked off. Let me save all my money. No, the, the rich and the wealthy, they have a completely different mindset. Money's a tool. It's not what their life is based on, right? Money's a tool. And it's weird because the middle class want to criticize the wealthy for always being about money. Okay. But I would actually take it the, the opposite way. I think, I think the middle class people, okay, are actually more focused on like conserving and blow. Oh, I only have this much money. Oh, I, we can't go out right now. They're actually more con- like money focused than the wealthy people are because the wealthy people treat it as a game. They don't treat it as like, oh, my life depends on this. They're, they're just playing a game, right? Because it's a tool. It's all fake. You know, it's, it money, money isn't real to, to those people. Not because they have a bunch, but because they understand that it's printed from the sky. If you lose all of it, you're still going to breathe tomorrow, right? Like, like you're not going to die. You're, you're going to be just fine, you know, so they can make bigger risks. They can take more action. If, if that makes sense. I hope I'm not just like rambling on there. No, man, that was fire. hundred percent agree. It literally is fake. It's fiat money. Like it's printed into existence. Every time a bank makes a loan, it's, it comes into existence. Um, yeah, man, I think that, you know, you hit on a lot there for sure. And one of the things that you mentioned is that, you know, as they should, like you were saying, as they should teach their kids, you know, what they know, because it's coming from a good place, really. It's crazy to think about it this way, because we live in the information age where like, you literally have chat GPT at your fingertips right now. But it comes from a place of ignorance, really, because that style of building wealth actually did work a lot better when they were young, right? But with inflation and everything, world changes, um, you know, it just doesn't build and preserve wealth like it used to. And not to say that the rich ever did it that way, right? Because they, they didn't really do it that way, but it at least used to work better, you know, back in the day. And now the middle class lifestyle is, is just, it's really not that great anymore. It keeps getting worse, you know? So, um, yeah, man, that was fire. That was fire. We're preaching on this podcast right now. So Jacob, what would you say is the most important thing that you learned from Grant Cardone when you were working with him? Oh man. Oh man. So it, there's honestly so many, man. Like it, I, I said earlier, he's taught me everything that I know, right? Being there, being in that environment, being around the successful guys, go, okay, actually getting to meet Grant, all the executives work with them on a daily basis. Like, like that taught me everything that I know. And I, I would be ignorant, okay, to sit here and say like, oh no, it's just this. But like, that is everything for me, everything. But if I had to say one thing, one thing, it would be the responsibility, the responsibility concept, like the concept that everything that happens in my life is directly caused by me. Okay. And why that's so important is because all of the money I have ever made Okay, all of the good things I've done in my life, all the relationships that I've had, all the people I've met, everything that I've ever accomplished, okay, has came from that type of mindset. Okay, because you're going to have setbacks in life. Not everything is going to be perfect. Things are going to happen. It's not going to be 100% amazing. But when you when you can take that, when you take those losses and be like, look, I caused that, and you go back to the root of the of the problem and you fix it so it doesn't happen again, that is how you become successful. Like that's, this is literally the code. Okay. I'm telling you, this is the cheat code to all wins. Okay. Now, now here's an example. So when I was working there, okay. Uh, I, and I was a closer, right? So I had setters who put meetings on my calendar, right? And they, and there was this one setter, right? And he just kept setting like wood is what I like to call it. Like people who weren't qualified. All right. You know, people who didn't show up, you know, just people who weren't deals, right? I can't, I can't turn, I'm not Jesus. I can't turn water into wine. You know, I, I can't, I can't turn a guy who has 30 cents in his account to a $20,000 deal. It just doesn't happen like that. Like I'm just not him. Right. But when it, when it comes down to it, I, 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 and I caught myself, I was bitching and I was complaining and I was like, oh, this guy can't do his job. Why does he keep setting it? Why does he keep doing that to me? I had this sob story about it. And that is victim mentality. And, and this is why, this is why everybody fails, right? When, when, like when you break down to, if you realize you're losing and something's going wrong, okay, you have two options. One, you can be a creator and you can go fix it. Okay. Or two, you can be a victim and blame somebody and point your finger like that. Right. Those are literally the only two options. 
Okay. And so this is a concept where I was like, okay, great. So I'm going to start setting my own appointments when I'm not on demos. So I would stay late. I would stay late and set my own appointments. I'll get there early and set my own appointments. If, if somebody no showed, I would start banging the phones and set my own appointments. Right. And in that month where I closed 103 deals, 30 of them were set by me. Right. 30 of them were completely solo deals where I set them and I closed them. Okay. And so what that did is that gave me more wins. It gave me more momentum and led to, you know, rolling into the next deal after that already on fire. Okay. Instead of, Oh man, you know, he set that guy and I'm all in this bad attitude and this bad bitchy mood. Okay. People don't win like that. You don't win acting like that. And so I would say the biggest thing that he taught me and that I learned from that whole place is just responsibility and that everything that happens in your life, look, if you're not making the money that you want to make, dude, it's your fault. Right? What do you not know? What do you not understand? What's wrong about your vehicle? Okay, you can keep blaming your manager. You can keep blaming that your mom taught you to, to do this and that, oh, you're middle class. It, it can't happen to you. You can keep complaining and bitching. You know, that's great. I, I, I'm, I don't care. Makes it easier on me if you don't compete. Right? But if you want to win, you have to take a completely different approach of, okay, well, I don't have the money. I don't have the knowledge. Let me just get started. Okay, let me get close to money instead of hating people with money because I don't understand the game. You know, it's that it's that flipping mindset. For example, I wanted to get into real estate. I wanted to get into real estate. And when I had a bunch of capital to deploy in real estate, I was like, well, look, I want to do it. But I didn't know how to do it. And I wasn't like, oh, well, you know, it's this, it's this. I was just like, okay, let me go find a place to do it. And I just did. I take all I take emotions out of it. Emotions when, when, you, when they get all wrapped up, like, like in your body, you know, you tend to act off of them, right? So I just take it out. I, I want a pure logic game. Okay, if it's not how I want it, how do I fix it, right? That simple. And that's how you create the, the puzzle you're looking for. You know, you're not just going to be mad because this piece doesn't fit. Okay, great. Go find another piece. You like, if you don't like the cards you're dealt, change the game, become the dealer. You know, stop letting people give you shitty cards. It's that simple. 100 makes sense. No, it makes sense. 100% makes sense. Yeah. I mean, the victim mentality thing reminds me of, you know, Jocko Willink, extreme ownership. But I think in sales in particular, it's so tempting. It's so easy to get in that victim mindset. And you wouldn't really think so. But you see guys all the time complain about like, all oh, these leads are shit or the offer is crap or whatever it might be. And it's ironic because in in sales like you're you're learning self-sufficiency like you you really are supposed to be getting better and better and better and yeah there's probably a better offer out there or whatever right but the point is like you can you can you can hone those skills and get better with what you have you have to you have to play the game with the cards that you're dealt you know and so i think that that's so true man like that getting that victim mentality out of your mind and, it, and adopting extreme ownership so so important especially in sales because it's so tempting to do otherwise right 100%. so so okay so you've you finally quit right 21 months um what was the first thing you did uh the first thing i did okay do you want like the first thing i actually did or like my first play your first play, like your first business play. Okay. So my first business play, my first business play was I realized that I was too comfortable with the money I was sitting on. Okay. I realized I was just too comfortable with it. Okay. Like I, I, I had over a hundred grand sitting in my account, just sitting there like, ah, do I have to work today? Do I have to build my businesses today? Do I have to push today? Cause I had already started companies my last few months being there. Okay. Ammo manufacturing. Okay. With, with some family back home. Okay. I had a couple things going on here and there, but it wasn't anything too crazy. It, it was like a couple of grand here and there, but nothing too massive where it was like, Oh, I'm a billionaire. Right. And so my, my first play was I wanted to put it all in real estate. And I would actually highly advise anybody who is in a sales job to make this play earlier. I would make this play earlier. I, I wanted to store up all of my money so I could go deploy it in my businesses. And I thought it was like, okay, I had to do it like after I was done working. I would do it at the same time. Okay. I know it's going to be harder to do it at the same time, but it'll, it'll benefit you in the long run. Okay. Cause what I had to do is it took me a couple months to actually get it into the real estate, get the deal closed, get the contract signed and get it to start producing. Right. I, if I would have had that before I quit, it would have made that whole quitting scenario I was talking about earlier so much easier. 
so much easier. I would have just been, all right, guys, well, bye. You know, but the whole time I was sitting there like, oh man, I don't know, I don't know, right? Uh, but yeah, and then after I did that, it forced me to go work. It forced me to work. And the whole money-making thing, it's very easy. Everybody likes to really overcomplicate it. It's, I promise you, it's the, it's the easiest thing on planet Earth. Okay, check this out. You ready? You want to get somebody's attention and then you want to get them to buy something. That's it. That's literally it. I like, I, it's very simple. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a thousand nuances to it, but it's like, it's very simple. So if, if you're just starting a business, what you need to do is go get some attention. Nobody knows about, you know, like the phone you're selling or the, the, the bottle of water you're selling, you know, how would they buy it? So that's step one. And then after you get some people to know about it, okay, ask them to buy it. And it's, it's that simple. And then scaling a business is how do I get that cycle to happen faster and more times? That's literally it. It's like, this is, this is the secret. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's crazy when you boil it down like that. Right. But so you mentioned that you would recommend that people put their money in real estate sooner rather than later. Can you, can you tell us more about that? Like, why is that? Yeah. So, um, it was about when I quit, it was hard. You know, I was talking about, I was literally sitting there shaking, talking about, Hey, look, I don't think this is the right thing for me anymore. And there was so much fear and uncertainty tied into it. So much fear and uncertainty when I did quit. Right. And so if you know, you're getting paid X amount of money every month. Okay. Those problems go away. It's that simple, right? And also, okay, when you start doing it sooner, okay, I was doing dumb stuff with my money. Like you always hear, you always hear about it, you know, say like, like don't blow it on dumb stuff, only invest in assets. But when I'm 18 years old making $20,000 a month, I'm like, yo, I want to spend some, right? I wish I would have started making like more deposits and stuff like that. So what I started to do to save money when I realized like, yo, I actually got to make a play here. Okay. Is I, is I had this play that I set up. Okay. And it worked for me. But what I did was I had my Wells Fargo account, right? There was a Wells Fargo where I lived in Houston, right? So I had my Wells Fargo account. That's where all my direct deposits hit. Okay. Then I had my credit card. Okay. I had an Amex, right? I, I like that. Like that was my first real credit card. I didn't know there were even other credit cards. Right. And so I, and so I had my, I had my Amex and then I had another bank account that I made with a completely different bank. And that had no debit card attached to it whatsoever. I couldn't get money out of there. And I got like, I got penalized to put money, like to take money out and put money in. Right. So there's like a barrier to entry. And so what I would do is I'd get my direct deposit. So let's say 18 years old, I got my first $20,000 check. Right. This is what I wish I would have done. Right. So I take that 20,000, I pay off the credit card and then everything else goes into the other account. And so that does a couple of things here. That does a couple of things is one, you get to keep track of your spending. You know exactly what you're spending. When you're just looking at money go down, it gets very easy. You're like, oh, I'm still good. I'm still good. I'm still good. Oh, wait, hold on. You know, whereas you, whereas the credit card is the other way. It's like, damn, I spent a grand this month. Damn, I spent five grand. Damn, 10 grand. Right. Like I, I remember like when I realized there was a problem was I spent 17 grand that month. And I was like, yo, what am I even buying? Cause I, I like, I would just Uber eats every day. You know, I do all of those things, right? And so then I set up this little play and that helped me start putting a nail in my money. I couldn't take anything out of that sacred account to cover my spending. I had to produce higher than my spending every month to then go the other way, right? And so that play helped me put a lot of money in savings to where I could go get into real estate. Okay, yeah, that's a really good finance tip. I like that a lot. Um, so to, if I'm understanding you correctly, you're saying get into real estate early so that you have like that baseline cash flow. Is that kind yes, of what you're saying? Okay, for sure. Gotcha. Okay. So why, why that as opposed to, you know, starting up a, a little business and using the business for cash flow? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. You can a hundred percent run that play. Okay. Uh, if you're not in a high income job right now, I would say if you're making less than a hundred to 150 grand a year right now, that should be your play. That should a hundred percent be your play. So there's three rules to money that I follow. You need to learn how to make money, keep money and multiply money. So I was already making a ton of money where I was working. Okay. Like quarter million dollars a year plus. Okay. And so it's like, okay, well I was already making a ton of money. So let me learn how to keep it, which is what I just talked about and then go multiply it with real estate. But if you're not making the money you want to make right now, and that's why you want to be an entrepreneur, then yes, you 100% need to do it the other way around and fix that make money step 
by either learning a high income skill and go getting a job like that where you can make half a million bucks in a year, no problem, or you start your own little side hustle and raise your income and then immediately phase over after you kind of kind of bridged over. That's essentially what I did, but I wish I would have done it the other way. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. All right. So what was the, what was the first little business that you, you created then when you left Grant Cardone? Like, was it the, you said ammo manufacturing with some family? So I have an ammo manufacturing. Uh, I had a couple of e-commerce stores while I was working for Grant Cardone, just here and there. Okay. Uh, Nothing too crazy. Never had a month above like 12 grand. That was like my biggest month. Okay. Then after that, okay. What I really wanted to do was I got into real estate. So, and funny story, uh, I'm making over 10% on my money in my real estate simply due to Airbnb. Okay. If you ever want to get into real estate, okay. You don't want to go buy multifamily, get into Airbnb, making a shit ton of money there. Right. Then I went and started something called, uh, the real sales Academy and the wealth Academy where you actually teach people how to learn those things. Okay. How to get into it. Now, what I'm into right now is I'm also into AI as well. Right. So I kind of just did a bunch of things at once. And oh, I'm also into insurance. I have insurance. So my strategy is not to start one business and just grow one business. That's not my thing. Okay. I want to partner with great people that I believe in and grow multiple businesses. It's, it, it, it's a very weird strategy, but it's like, it's, it's different because I know the guy I'm running the insurance company with, the guy I'm running the AI company with, the guy I'm running the sales consulting company with. I know all of those guys are great guys. Okay. And so I do my part that I'm really good at. They do their part that they're really good at. And we make a bunch of money. Right. And so I'm kind of spread out amongst a bunch of different areas. Right. Whereas just about six months out right now, everything's going absolutely phenomenal. Give it a year. Everything's going to go even, even better. Like I couldn't imagine what this is going to look like when, when I have about right now, I would say I have about five in my portfolio. I'm probably going to stop right there for a little bit, maybe add one more that I'm working on right now, but they all, what they do is they all help each other. They all help each other, each one. So if I push one lever on one, the one at the end is getting better because of this lever I pushed, right? So what that's called is that's called simultaneous flows. This is something I learned working for Grant, okay? So Grant has probably about, I want to say 30 different companies inside of the Cardone Enterprises web, but he just has to promote his brand and all of them grow. He just has to push one lever and all of his businesses make money. Okay. And so what this comes down to is most people, they get stuck flipping levers that don't give them any leverage. Okay. So let me explain why I do everything like this. So business owners, especially small business owners, is they like to complete tasks that don't actually give them anything in return. Okay. Let me, let me spend 10 hours, uh, making a business plan. That's 30 pages long. There's no leverage. There's no leverage. You just wasted 10 hours and got nothing. Right. And so I'm thinking, okay, where's my highest leverage point? All right. To structure a bunch of companies around a brand and then grow my brand. That's it. Right. And then have all the companies work around each other. Right. And so whether it's, Hey, I'm wasting all this time creating these Instagram posts when I could pay a VA to do it. And then I focus on actually closing the deals. Right. You're wasting time. This lever isn't, isn't making you money. This one is stop doing that. Like I put all of my attention on what has the most leverage so I can do as little as possible and get the biggest outcome. If that makes sense. It makes perfect sense, man. It's 80, 20 rule, right? And you're just looking for the actions that give you the most outcome. So yeah, absolutely. So in terms of businesses to that point, like to almost bring it a little bit full circle, uh, you know, like you were saying earlier, if you boil it down, it's all about getting the attention and then selling something, right? So would you say that um, the best lever you can pull most of the time is just marketing, just getting attention? So I'm a sales guy at heart. I love sales. I love selling. Okay. But I feel like maturing is realizing that marketing is more important than sales. It hurts to say that because I'm a sales guy. Okay. But marketing is more important. You, You can't sell something to an empty room. You can't do it. If there's nobody in the room I'm in, I'm not closing a deal. If there's a hundred people in the room I'm in, I'm in, I could accidentally close a deal if I suck at sales, right? It's all marketing. It's all marketing. 
So uh, if somebody's looking to, to get into starting their own side hustle, getting into starting their own business, or just looking to make more money, and you want to do it through like an entrepreneurship route, it 100% needs to be marketing. I would build a personal brand, 100%. Because what we're turning into is an attention economy. Everybody's competing 24-7 for attention, right? TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat, all these social media apps. And then after you open them, there's millions of creators trying to fight for that four second slot, right? So if you can start capturing that and bringing it to your business, then like, like that'll do the whole thing, man. That'll do the whole thing. You'll, you'll accidentally have people buy. You'll be like, oh damn, I made this much money? How? Right? Yeah. It, it, yeah. And it's honestly a beautiful thing. Yeah. I keep beating the drum about building a personal brand like while you still can because I have a theory that in the not so distant future, it is going to be next to a freaking impossible to build a personal brand. It's already really difficult to break through the noise, but put it this way, right? There's something called Zuckerberg's law it comes from Mark Zuckerberg, love him, love him or hate him, right? It's his idea, but he states that the amount of content on the internet is literally doubling every year. It's going up exponentially, but human attention is not going up exponentially, right? There's only so much attention. And so at some point, there's going to be so much content out there on the internet, so much competition that it's going to be next to impossible to break through that noise. And the only way you're going to be able to get any leverage at all in terms of doing that, building your own personal brand is to be able to get on somebody else's platform. And you're already seeing this now. Like one of the best things that you can do to build your own personal brand is to leverage somebody else's personal brand, get on their podcast or whatever it might be, you know, do a um, collab with them or whatever and, and launch it that way. Because right now everybody's, it seems like everybody's trying to do it. In reality, it's like maybe 1% of the population. But even then, it's so freaking hard, man. Like it, it's a lot of competition out there. But yeah, man, I think that that's, that's going to be like a situation of like haves and have nots in the future where it's like if you if you have a personal brand, you're probably going to be sitting really, really nice. Whereas like everybody else that thought about it, but was just too scared because they were worried about what their friends were going to say about them or whatever, um, going to be kicking themselves for sure. No, 100 percent, 100 percent, because like when you can get somebody to love you, you can you can sell anything. You, you can monetize attention in a thousand different ways. You can monetize attention through you having an affiliate link for somebody else's company. You don't even have to be this salesperson or have this big business. Just have an affiliate link. It's that simple. Like Andrew Tate, okay, love or hate him, everything that's going on there, there's so much to learn from it. Okay, there's guys who are, who are literally not even building their own brand. Nobody knows who they are, okay, making TikToks, making a full-time income, just making TikToks and people buying his, his Little Hustlers University thing, right? Making full-time income doing it, right? It's online. It's possible. And then Andrew Tate with this massive personal brand that that's building, okay, he's selling mugs for like 250 bucks a mug. If Andrew <laughs> Tate launched a cologne, the world would break. If he was like, this is how I get women, this cologne. He'd be like, dude, multi-trillionaire. Everybody would buy it because they're like, I, I love that guy. I love that guy. Even if you hate him, right? There's somebody else who fucking loves him. And like that's, that's, that's currency, Attention is currency, right? The attention you give and also the attention you get, it's currency. You just got to learn how to put it in the and piece it together the right way to get paid. Yeah, 100%, man. Yeah, and I think like the average like normie, the same people that are have that middle class mindset don't know that. Whereas like, you know, if you're in the internet money space, you're on money, Twitter or whatever, you might've heard Hormozy or whoever it is talk about how attention is new oil. And it might sound like it's old news or whatever, but the vast majority of people have not caught on to that. <laughs> like at all, like not even close. And so if you're thinking about doing it, like definitely start building the brand while you can, man, because it, it's, um, it's already intense out here. So Jacob, what would you say was the most challenging thing for you when you went from being an employee for Grant Cardone to going full-time entrepreneur? Oh man, I think the most challenging, wow. Okay. So that's a good question. I think the most challenging thing that I faced was I didn't have a roadmap. Like I didn't, I didn't know what to do. Like, like maybe this is just me. Maybe this is everybody, but my whole life, I've kind of been told what to do. I'm not going to lie. Like to a certain extent, there was also, there was always somebody saying, this is what you do. This is how it's done. This is where it goes. 
right? And so like, for example, when I grew up, that's how I was from zero to 18. When I went to go work for Grant, that's how it was at Grant's. This is how you sell. This is how you communicate. This is how the world works. This is how you dress every day. This is how you do this. When I quit, it's like, all right, well, I get to do things the way I want them now. How do I want them? And so that, that was a big deal. That was a big deal because, okay, how much did I want to work? Where did I want to work? How did I want my work structured? And so that was kind of hard to figure out. And so I was kind of stuck for a little bit in kind of a, I want to call it like a no man's land for probably about a month. Like it was just a full month of, I was like, okay, well, I was trying to find my rhythm, right? Because at Grants, they install a rhythm into you. There's a rhythm of the company. But then I had to find my own rhythm. Okay, what time do I want to wake up? I don't have to go to sleep and wake up at a certain time anymore. I don't have to be at work at 7.30 and leave at 8. I don't have to do that anymore. Okay, I have to make money. Okay, well, I can do that waking up at, at, at 6 p.m. and work until 6 a.m., right? Okay, why, why would I want to structure it like that, right? And just add like all of the little things. It wasn't the business. Like, like that, that wasn't a struggle at all. Right. It, it was the, my life after the business. Right. Okay. Well, if I wanted to go do stuff during the day, like what was my, what, where was my work time? Where was my study time for a while? I, I just dropped learning for a minute. Cause I didn't know when to put it into my schedule. I was like, okay, well, how, how, how does this work? And so what I did was I just kind of boiled it down to the basics. Okay. What are the fundamentals of life? Right. I, I need sleep. I need good. I need a bunch of water. I need food. I need to work out. Okay. I need to train and I need to get all this stuff around my house done. All the little itty bitty things in my life done. Okay. So then I just came up with like, like a routine and it still changes to this day. I'll, I'll stick on one for two weeks to a month and I'll flip it again because I'm still trying to nail in that rhythm of like, what is my day actually look like? I've been out for like six, seven months now, right now it's like, okay, well what actually happens? And so, uh, like that was the biggest one, like that was really the biggest one was structuring my time. Cause if you think about it, if you went to school, went to college or didn't go to college and just went straight into the workforce, your time has been structured for you since you were like four, right? It's been structured for you. Everything you did in the day, when you did it, how you did it, someone told you how to do it and when to do it. And so that was a very weird feeling. There, there's, there's downs to financial freedom. Now that's not really a down, but like, that was like a, that was like, okay, well, what do I do now? And so that's why I really started getting into building my personal brand and building uh, the, this thing called like the real sales Academy, right? That's why I really got into that is because I love talking about it. I love doing it. And what it does is it gives me a tether from my area to the real world. <laughs> like, like that, that's literally the biggest thing for me is because like, if I'm just working on businesses and stuff like that, okay, I got a sales team uh, to sell everything. Okay. Other than that, there's no real tether to the real world. I can, I can run ads and market and do all that stuff at weird times. So that's why I love that is as I just, I, it, it gives me a tether. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think I've never heard anybody talk about that, but that makes a ton of sense. Like going from employee when you, or, you know, we're being in school or whatever it might be, you have somebody else kind of planning your day for you. And yeah, I mean, coming out now you have to figure out what is optimal for you or what do you even want to do? Right. So that makes a ton of sense. Actually. I didn't even really, I was not expecting you to say that, but makes total sense actually. So Jacob, where do you think most people go wrong nowadays? Like what, are, with regards to entrepreneurship, like what kind of mistakes do you see people making the most? Shiny object syndrome, mm. shiny object syndrome, right? They're, everybody gets, gets so hype about like all these different things. And I've talked to a lot of people simply because I've sold a lot of things. Okay. So I feel like I have a pretty good pulse on, on like where people are at right over the past couple of years. And it's, in my opinion, it is simply shiny object syndrome. And shiny object syndrome doesn't have to be, you know, oh, this new course dropped or Amazon FBA or e-com. It can just be anything that takes your eyes off of what you're actually going for. It could be literally anything, right? Like, let's say, let's say like, like you're a guy and you don't have a girl in your life. And then a girl comes into your life and you drop everything that you do. And now you're with the girl. 
Okay, that's a shiny object, right? Like that's what I mean when I say this. Or you should be focusing on, you know, calling more clients and getting more deals, but you're focused on, you know, doing something else, right? It's just you're, 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 you take your eyes off of where you're going. It's what I learned is that everything that I've wrote, written down on a piece of paper, I write my goals down in the morning and in the evening, okay? And everything I've written down, I've, I've started scratching most of it off, right? Like I, I wanted to be financially free. I'm here. I wanted to own real estate. I'm here. I wanted my own businesses. I'm here, right? Two years ago, I couldn't fathom doing this. I couldn't fathom that I would live in, and I would, I would live in a place where I paid three grand a month for rent, right? To some people, that's no money. Some people, that's a lot of money. Where I came from, that's a lot of money, right? I couldn't fathom that. And so I was like, I want to live in a, in a, in a place with a nice balcony, right? Have a nice balcony. It's right there, right? And I love it. It's beautiful. Right. And so I would scratch it off the list and all of the little things like that. And so if you just stay focused in your ability to realign on the things that really matter to you, okay, if you can actually build in that muscle, you will be successful. I promise you, you'll get whatever you want. It'll come to you at some point. Because if you agree that outflow equals inflow, that what you put out into the world comes out, comes back in, Newton's first law, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. If I push out, something comes in at an equal force. If you just keep pushing, you'll get it. If you think about it really hard, you've ne- the only time you've ever failed at something is when you quit. And you can quit in your head before you quit in your body. Learn that. I learned that by watching people blow out in sales. You know, they come in and, and they're, they quit on the job two weeks ago, but they're still there just dead dialing, making phone calls. You know, people do that in their business all the time too. Is they just start slowly giving up on it, you know? Or, or they just get, or they just get caught by something else, man. It's brutal. That's a, that's such a sad way to go out. I think they don't they call it like silent quitting or something like that. But it's just pathetic, <laughs> you know. It's like you're giving up, but you're still like going through the motions. Yeah, dude. It's it's, it's absolutely brutal. awful. I don't know how people make sense of it. How do you make sense of doing it? Yeah, especially yeah, in an occupation like that. Right. Yeah, especially in sales. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and I can totally. Re- resonate with the idea of shiny object syndrome being so bad right now. And it kind of makes sense because, you know, we're, we're like filled with distractions all the time right now with social media, internet, all that kind of stuff. So it makes sense, you know, that the next big thing comes along, whether it's, you know, people talking about AI right now, that's super hot topic, obviously. Um, the gist that I get, like, I kind of get an inkling that right now, Remote sales is like kind of gaining in popularity. Would you agree or no? A hundred percent. hundred percent. It wasn't like this a couple years ago. I didn't even know sales was a thing. I didn't even know that was like something cool to get into. Like I, like, I didn't mean to even get into it. It was purely an accident. I just wanted to work for a guy. Changed yeah. my life. Right. And now, now everybody's dropping these like high ticket sales courses, learn sales, learn this, learn remote. You can make money from home, print money from the sky. Blah. Right. Like, but if, if your goal isn't to do that, don't get like caught off guard by it. Just stay on your path. Right. My path is not everybody else's path. Brendan, your path is not my path. Mine is not yours. And ours aren't the audience's path. Just not how life works. I want what I want. And I know what'll make me happy is different than what'll make somebody else happy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when you start seeing Iman Godzi, who who got popular through digital marketing agencies, do his own remote sales course, um, that made me like that made me pump the brakes. I'm going like, what the heck, man? Like, is, is <laughs> that seems weird to me? But then on the flip side, actually, you know, I went to a meetup for high ticket sales. It's just the money Twitter side of high ticket sales, but in Austin uh, a couple weeks ago, and. When I was there, like then I realized I also had I had almost had the opposite reaction. I was kind of like, wow, like this is still a really young space, like genuine, genuinely overall, it's relatively young, not like, say, enterprise tech sales or something that's been around for decades or whatever, like the high ticket online space is relatively young. Like, yeah, it's probably been around for like 10 years or so, maybe, maybe not even, but when it's that young, like it's still relatively niche. Um, but I think that it is really, um, gaining in popularity because it's like, Oh, you know, laptop money, you know, you can sit and just have conversations with people on the computer and make 20 K a month or whatever. It doesn't work like that. 
it, it, it doesn't work like that. I like, that's just how people sell it, you know, but yeah, no, it's gaining a lot of popularity. I love it. Okay. Cause I think salespeople make the world go round. I, th- I think the world goes round because, you know, people shake hands and people take actions. Right. You know, I, I think that's, that's, that's what, that's why we have everything that we have on planet earth. Right. Is somebody sold something to somebody at some point, you know, and they did it a bunch of times. So, I mean, I, I, I love sales. I think more people should get into it. Uh, and I think there is no better place to, to really build your career. Um, and I talk about, it, I talk about it on Twitter all the time, right? I started businesses. Like when I was like 16, 17, 18, I was, I, I did e-commerce. Okay. Back, back when I was a little bit younger, I was playing video games, playing video games. I was playing this basketball video game called NBA 2K and you get these little achievements and I was helping people get the achievements and charging them money for it. Right. And I always wanted to be a business owner. That was my thing. Okay. From mowing lawns to doing this to doing that. I always wanted to do it, but it was the high ticket sales that taught me the skills and made me the money to go out and actually make a big play and actually start making a splash, right? Before, it just wasn't possible. If I don't know what I'm doing and I don't have the money to make it actually turn into a reality, then I need to go find those things. And I had to find them through high-ticket sales. Yeah, 100%, man, 100%. So, Jacob, where can people find you if they want to know more about you or if they want to work with you? What is the best place to go? So the best place to find me is going to be on Twitter. Okay. Uh, my username is the T H E Jacob may M a Y just like the month, the Jacob may, and then a underscore at the end. Okay. I'm, I'm active on there all day. I have a bunch of free stuff. Uh, and my main thing is teaching people sales, you know, like learning communication, learning how to get into those places, learning how to get into those jobs. Uh, that's really like my main thing. Uh, and yeah, that's really where anybody can find me. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. And I like to say that sales is the gateway drug to entrepreneurship. So many people I've seen start in sales and then they launch their own businesses, their own offers or whatever it might be. Not just you. You're a good example, right? I've had multiple people on the podcast, same exact way, but you even got big, big guys like Mark Cuban got started in sales, for instance. So it definitely is like the place to start in business and you know launch your 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 entrepreneurial career if that is your aspiration so guys if you're listening to this you want to work with jacob hit him up on twitter or x whatever you want to call it these days and if you're thinking of uh taking the entrepreneurial journey making the transition from employee to entrepreneur please do because i really believe that the world needs more entrepreneurs because entrepreneurs solve problems and lord knows we have enough of those right so guys thanks for listening Jacob, thanks for coming, and we'll see you on the other side.